You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. She's praying from her heart. Let's go on now in verse 13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And notice, therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. So Hannah is praying with her heart rather than her head. And I think it is the heart that God listens to. Have you ever heard a prayer that was prepared beforehand? thought through and labored over to be as flowery and wordy as possible? There are exceptions, but oftentimes these prayers just don't feel right. There's something off about them. They may make for beautiful prose, but it feels like they hit the ears of the audience and just bounce off the ceiling. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, God listens to your prayers, but He cares about what's coming from your heart more than just your head. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 as he begins his message, Delayed Prayer. Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. So let's go ahead and read that text. Now there was a certain man of Ramathiam, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zup, an Ephraimite. And uh, I, I expect a round of applause just for trying to pronounce those names. Thank you. And anyway, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man went up from his city yearly uh, to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Uh, Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, uh, were there. So uh, according to the law of Moses, Israelites cannot worship God through sacrifice at any uh, time and any way that they pleased to. They were to bring their sacrifices to the tabernacle and to the priests, which were at this time located at Shiloh. And uh, this was actually before the, the, the temple in Jerusalem was uh, erected. So that's the reason why they're going up to uh, Shiloh. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, 
and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. So according, uh, as Elkanah brought his family each year to the tabernacle for sacrifice, he ate a ceremonial meal at the tabernacle with his family, giving portions to his wives and their children. And he showed his favor and love to Hannah by giving her, notice, a double uh, portion. So he was, uh, she was his favorite uh, wife of the two. Verse 6. And her rival, that is the other wife, also provoked Hannah uh, severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Okay, so... As we begin this new series of studies here in the book of 1 Samuel, today we're going to address what I think is a really interesting, but also at the same time curious uh, subject and problem. And that is why God sometimes delays answering our prayers. But let me, before we even get into this, let me say that if you're a believer in Christ, all of your prayers are answered. And this is the way that God answers our prayers. Yes, no, or sometimes he delays our uh, prayers. But if you're a believer, God does answer and hears every one of our uh, prayers. But let me also uh, begin by sharing with you some observations and conclusions that I've come to in my own personal walk and relationship with God. First of all, God is so patient uh, with me. And I got to tell you something, I'm surprised that, you know, there's been times in my own experience of my walk with the Lord where I was surprised that God just didn't blow me off or write me off uh, because, you know, but God is so patient with me. Uh, I realize that he's invested so much of his uh, time working out his good and perfect plan in my life. And I, I, I probably uh, would uh, imagine that you would be able to share that same uh, testimony. You know, he takes his time in dealing with the issues of my life. And so many times when I've stumbled, when I've fallen, I've cried out to God, please God, be patient with me. And guess what? He is. But the problem is, I'm not always patient with God. I mean, if God is going to work on my behalf, and I'm um, uh, expecting him to do that, this is the problem. I want it done now. I want, to, I want it done immediately. I don't want to wait until next week or next month. I want the answers and solutions to my problem worked out now. 
And yet there are reasons why God delays his answers to our uh, prayers. And in this first chapter here in the book of 1 Samuel, we find God delaying the answers to a woman's prayer, that would be Hannah, in order that he might accomplish a much fuller purpose than she had ever dreamed or imagined. And so here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we are introduced to this woman, notice there in verse 2, let's go back to our text, whose name was Hannah. Now that brings us to our first point this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's going to be broadcast up here on the screen. Uh, Hannah had several problems that distressed her. Now what were those problems? Well, first of all, she was barren. Notice what it says there in the latter part of verse 2. Hannah had no children. Now, let me tell you something. This was a big deal, particularly back then within that culture. You see, in that day, it was looked upon as being under a curse. That is, if you weren't able to, as a woman, bear a son to your uh, husband. In fact, back then, it was actually considered grounds for divorce. Uh, Going back to the book of Genesis, remember, When God spoke to and instructed the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, he instructed them to go be fruitful and to multiply. And so if a woman wasn't able to bear a child to her husband, it was considered that she was under a a curse. But notice here, we are told in our uh, text here in chapter 1 and verse 5 that it was God who shut up her womb. So that's the first problem. Hannah was barren. The second problem that distressed Hannah was that her husband was a polygamist. Notice there in verse 2, we are told Elkanah, uh, her husband, had two wives. And listen, two or ten, it didn't matter. In those days, people weren't concerned about polygamy. Now, can you imagine? I can't even imagine this. I, I, I mean, I don't know of any husband who can fulfill the different needs of one wife Never mind two or uh, ten. And then also, to make matters worse, this uh, rivalry developed between the two wives. Uh, Peninnah was very fruitful in bearing children. And she gave Hannah, according to our text, what we've just read, a bad time. Notice there in verse 6, we are told, and her rival, that is Hannah's rival, also provoked her severely, to make her miserable miserable because the Lord had closed her uh, wound. And so Hannah got to the place where having a child became the most important thing in her life. And she was consumed by this need. And we're also told that she was weeping all of the time. So that was the second problem that vexed Hannah. But then also to make matters worse, there was a third problem, And that is that she had an unsympathetic husband who was not sensitive to that need in her life. Go back to our text. Notice in verse 8, we are told, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So he completely avoids the problem that is vexing Hannah. And, uh, you know, Hannah was probably thinking, uh, I don't want criticism, I want sympathy. And, you know, if you're married, uh, there are those times within our 
our marriage experience when we don't handle things with finesse or understanding, which only makes matters worse. You know, there may be a problem that's bothering your wife, or there may be a problem or an issue that your husband's dealing with, and we're unsensitive, uh, we're not sensitive or unsympathetic to that problem. And, uh, and such was the case with uh, Elkanah. So anyway, Hannah had some grievous uh, problems. Now that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is appealing to uh, God. Write that down. Now Hannah, in her distress, did the right thing. What was that? She took it to the Lord. Notice in verse 10. Let's go back to our text once again. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Now, this prayer that Hannah prayed arose out of the sorrow of her soul. And gang, when we have been pressed beyond measure, no matter what you're facing in your life's experience, and no one seems to understand, no one's sympathetic uh, to your problems, no one really understands what you're going through, hey, listen, here's the good news. We can always bring our problems to the Lord and know that he understands, not only that he understands, but he also uh, cares. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, in verses 15 and 16, uh, there we are told, for we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So whatever you're going through in your life's experience, those things that vex you, all of the feelings, all of the emotions, all of the discouragements, Christ has been there. He is sympathetic. He understands our problems. And then it goes on to declare, and therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in those times of need. Now, this was not the first time that Hannah had prayed about this particular situation, that is, her being barren. Her condition existed over a period of many years. So this is a condition of long standing. And so praying to God for those many years, that God would open up her womb to give her a son. But this time, notice, as she prayed, verse 11, she made a vow unto the Lord. And what are we told there in verse 11? That she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his uh, head. Lord, I will consecrate him to you. So this was done under the vow of uh, Nazarite. And by the way, this is where our baby dedication uh, custom comes from. That is when a child's parent goes before the Lord, acknowledging that the child that has been given to them by God is his gift, also acknowledging and recognize that for the time that they uh, have with the child, that they're only the custodian of that child, and their main purpose is to instill within them a godly heritage, but then also to present them back unto the Lord as 
God's instrument to do with him or her whatever God has chosen to do as a witness, as a testimony uh, to God and the greatness of God, the glory of God, uh, the benefits of God. Now, when Hannah made this vow, she was probably thinking of another mother's vow, that is the mother of Samson. And at this time, Samson would have been about 30 years old, and his abilities had already become legendary. So Hannah was just following in Samson's mother's footsteps. And again, Hannah said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. I will consecrate him unto you, that you might use him for your glory. Now, at the same time that she was praying and made this vow, according to our text, Eli, the priest, who in our cast of characters were introduced to here in this text, was nearby while she was praying, while she was sobbing in her grief. She's praying from her heart. Let's go on now in verse 13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And notice, therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. So Hannah is praying with her heart rather than her head. And I think it is the heart that God listens to. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 29, in verse 13, there we have the promise. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. But listen, here's some of the problem, I think, for some Christians. Many of our prayers are shallow prayers. They fall into that category of being sort of like mechanical prayers. For example, saying grace over our uh, meals. In fact, uh, some of the prayers that we pray during mealtime are just a prelude to eating. It's just a formality. It's not a thing where we are truly thankful in my heart for God's provision. Uh, it's become a common thing, a routine kind of a thing. Uh, it sort of goes like this. Bless the food. Thank you. Amen. Listen, that's the sort of a prayer that comes from my head and not my heart. And so God is interested in our hearts, the prayers that flow forth out of the deep areas of our being. You know, it's been said, and I quote, when prayer reaches its ultimate, words are impossible. And such was the case with Hannah. Notice according to our text. So this was the case with Hannah. She couldn't speak, but from her heart, weeping unto the Lord and praying that God would see the affliction of her soul and answer and give her a son. Now notice, as I've already mentioned, Eli, in verse 13, the latter part of verse 13, thought that Hannah was drunk. Remember now, she's within the, uh, the tabernacle uh, precincts. And there in verse 14, uh, we read, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine uh, away from you. Well, anyway, Hannah responds and explains, verse 15, but Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm not drunk. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but rather have poured out my soul before the Lord. 
And I want you to underline that phrase, pouring out my uh, soul. Listen, all of the problems that you have to deal with, and, and let me also add that just simply because you're a Christian, you become a child of God, doesn't mean that your life's experience is not going to have problems, difficulties, uh, struggles that you need to overcome. But here's the good news. All of those problems, we can take them to the Lord because God is concerned. He cares about the things that we are going through. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 7, during those times when you're distressed, when you're anxious, when you're just burdened down, we are told in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 that we are to cast all of our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Let him shoulder your burdens. You know, just slip it on over to him. And, uh, and he'll do exactly that. And, and I find that to be extremely encouraging. But what a beautiful, expressive uh, phrase. That is, Hannah poured out her soul. Let me ask you this question. How long it has it been since you've poured out your soul before the Lord? Well, anyway, Eli, notice there in verse 17, apologizes uh, to Hannah. And we read, then Eli answered and said, Go in your peace, and the God of Israel grant you petition, which you have asked of uh, him. Now that brings us to our third point this morning, and that is the faith of Hannah uh, demonstrated. Notice, she got up from that place of prayer after what uh, Eli had said to her, and she gets up where she had been weeping, and then all, uh, all of a sudden, notice the transformation that takes place in verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer uh, sad. So obviously, she was confident because of what Eli had mentioned to her. Remember, Eli was God's representative. It was sort of like God was speaking through Eli. And now Hannah had the assurance that God had heard her prayer and he was going to respond. And so she was confident that God was going to answer. That's the mark of faith. There's no evidence of it. She's not pregnant, right? But she's just confident. You know, this is true faith. Without any evidences that God has heard our prayer and that God is going to respond or give us our heart's desire, right? Our countenance completely changes. We're no longer bogged down in distress. And we're just trusting and believing that God is going to respond. So that's the mark of faith. On Hannah's part, notice there's no more weeping. There's no more fasting. Her countenance completely changes. And how wonderful it is when we have the assurance that God has heard our prayers. It makes all of the difference in the world. In my Father's house place for me in my father's house where I long to be oh my we're so glad you joined us today on in my father's house for our continuing verse by verse study through the book of first Samuel if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike please visit our website at harvestnyc.org you can listen online 
just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on OnePlace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.